and welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. My mic is slightly off center. I'm going to try to move it without making too much machine noise. That is bad. You get the view behind the corner. It's a low energy Monday for your boy, Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, E-E-R-F-E-T-T. So low energy that I didn't even start the timer when I was supposed to either. We're just off to a flying, fantastic start. Uh, this is the Pride of Detroit POD cast, pridedetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us for everything about the Detroit Lions, the NFL, and who's and what's of the world and wacky world of sports. The world and wacky world is what I just said. Uh, once again, Chris Perfett. Hi. Uh, Jeremy Reisman is here, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion. He is out here enjoying his week off from Lions football. Yep, just living life in the world and the wacky world. Mm-hmm. Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D is probably more feeling the vibe like I am. I'm just hoping that uh, we've got his attention right now. Because once again, Ryan, we're on Spotify. Yeah, that's what always has me on high alert. So I'm definitely invested in everything <laughs> that happens on this podcast. I'm, one of my gimmicks is going to die a slow death. That's that's true. To be replaced with another another rancid gimmick, to be sure. And I don't understand why Spotify is again so important. Like we were on iTunes for so long, and I'm more annoyed that we're now at a solid four star rating on iTunes because we have so many people trying to carpet bomb these ratings because we talk about sensitive things. But hey, you know what? For Spotify, it's a new day. Let's get a five star over there. I think Maybe. it's because I I think it's because I pay monthly for Spotify. Like because I pay. I pay Spotify every month to listen to music. It feels like it's more important. Are you able to leave ratings on Spotify? I don't know. I don't know. Huh. Do well, it anyways. We'll, we'll find think about a, that later. Find a way to do it and do it. We're sitting here, kind of just been sleepy off of the bye. We were talking about we were going to do some fun, silly things over the bye, and instead, I just we mostly just took time away to kind of recoup and. Try to get ourselves back together. Clearly, it didn't work for me. Just, just um, yawn right into the camera. I'm trying, man. I'm really trying. It's two o'clock on the West Coast right now, and I am in yeah. full afternoon nap mode. Uh, and now I'm just seeing even more reasons to go into a nap. In that the Lions will return to action on Sunday this week, and guess who we're going to have <laughs> with the broadcast crew of Dick Stockton, Jennifer Hale, and Mark Schlereth. Heck yeah. Heck no. Like, if, if you could have put together something worse than than Chris Spielman, its name would be Mark Schlereth. I just, like, is there a Fox crew that you enjoy? Because there isn't for me. It's uh, just, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be at the game, so I don't care at all. But and, and, and is this horrifying for me to say, but it's probably the best Fox crew. It is Troy Aikman. And, uh, yeah, and that's, uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I'm saying, like, you know, I you could throw any names up there, and I'm not going to be excited. Well, hold about up, it hold up. Now, Sunday night. now I have to like search for Fox uh, football crews because I'm trying to remember because there is one guy because yeah, is I know Kenny Albert's on one, but I'm trying to remember who who's uh, Ryan. Ryan, help me out here. Who else? Who else is out so, there? Certainly not Brenneman. Brenneman sounds like you right now. He sounds like he's asleep at the game. No, it, Joe Tessitore just. we're talking fox yeah oh i don't know fox who cares exactly 
I do like I did like Kenny Albert. Isn't he with usually with Kevin Burkhardt or something? Um, announcers are horrible. Just watch games on mute and and listen to our podcast. Watch them on Twitch on Thursday night. Yeah, watch that's the Tim, Tim the Tap Man, a guy who knows very little about football, but is pretty entertaining. No, no, I have I have the Buck and Aikman broadcast on Twitch no. when I watch Thursday night, and I just watch the Twitch chat. Because I didn't realize until now, and this is us keeping up with the Youngs, is that I needed the the phrase "no flag poggers" in my lexicon. <laughs> we should talk uh, about the Lions, though. Other let's than do it. Let's 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 reflect. Can we reflect? Isn't that what the bye week is for? Is for self scouting, reflecting, and then rest. We beat You've the got bye the rest week. part. We beat the bye week. That old joke never gets old. It does, but, but I'm, you know, whatever. Let, let's let's talk about just our overall thoughts about the Lions, and I mean, as the season goes on, we can put kind of their performances into context a little bit, even though you know who the Patriots were when the Lions faced them probably isn't who the Patriots currently are. But just kind of looking around the league, looking around the Lions' first five games, it's kind of hard to tell where this team is at right now. Like, you look around the league, there are only a couple teams, I think three teams with one or fewer losses. I think there are only five teams with fewer than two wins. So we've got a whole bunch of mediocre teams. Where do you guys think the Lions fall amongst those to, mediocre to clarify. teams? To clarify for that, there are three teams with one loss with who are either lossless or they have only one loss. The Saints, the Chiefs, and the Rams. Right. And of those losses, the Chiefs were handed one on Sunday night uh, in a grueling shootout. And I think the Saints lost their like season opener, I believe, to the uh, Buccaneers back when they were hot. Right. And that was kind of a shootout. And the Rams, of course, are just the goddamn Rams. They're going to kill everyone. Um. I don't know where I stand in the Lions, to be honest. I'm not, I'm still not confident in them. I'm really not. I know that the problem is, is that, and you see this around the league, is that week to week, it seems completely inconsistent. And that includes the opponents too. Like, so if you're asking me, it's like, hey, look at the Patriots now. Isn't that a good win because they beat the Patriots? Well, no, when they beat the Patriots, the Patriots were a God awful team. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to change that analysis for anyone who wants me to give the Lions respect. The, the Patriots were a god awful team in the first three weeks. That's and, just I how mean, it is. And, but that's the thing, like because there's so much inconsistency across the NFL right now, it's hard to know where the Lions stand at all. You, you can say the Lions are a bad team, but maybe they aren't next week, or maybe Matt Patricia gets a defense thrown around. And my, I, I guess my overall point is just that there are two or three really, really good teams. There are two or three really, really bad teams, and then there's everybody else. Well, I think we've seen three games out of the Lions that follow the same playbook, and maybe Ryan can agree or disagree on this, but I've seen three similar games from the Lions, two of which have resulted in losses, one that's resulted in a win. Maybe throw the Patriots one in there as far as like what this team does to a defense that's really bad. But other than that, like that's it. I'm talking about I'm basically leaving out the the season opener. We've seen, the Lions at least have been slightly consistent in that fact, and I don't know what's going to happen with uh, the Dolphins. I don't know if they're going to get Brock lobstered or if they're going to get uh, you know rock type Pokemon thrown at them. But it's I, I I feel what I feel about the Lions is that I feel exactly where I was to start the season. What do you feel about them, Ryan? 
Yeah, I, I feel like they're a team that's full of variance. Um, and and kind of to speak to Jeremy's point, like there are like a f- there, there are like two or three like elite teams. There are two or three teams that are really bad that are going to be vying for the number one pick. You're talking like your Cardinals, maybe even the Giants. Probably when all thing you know when all things are said and done. But and then you have all these teams that could be. I mean, they're, they're all maybe they're like Doctor Jekyll and, and Mister Hyde. Really, I don't know it, it, the Lions though. I, I think I think they're I think they're more bad than good. Yeah, I think there's like two tiers in there when we're trying to make this big gray matter area like you're talking about, Ryan. And I think the Lions are part of that second tier. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think just just with their defense, like it's one of those things where it, there there's less consistency. There's a higher chance for variance that it's not going to be good um, or that it's or, or it's or it's it's really close to like being bad, like bad, bad, bad. So um yeah, Jeremy, when when you think of this Lions team, like do do the wins against the Patriots and the Packers do those stand as outliers because you know, the Lions don't normally beat teams that have really good quarterbacks because I think we count on those other really good quarterbacks to to kind of beat up on the Lions defense. Like so do those wins stand as outliers and then this team is more like the team that lost close games to the 49ers and Cowboys? I I think they're both. I I mean I know is I think the answer to your question. I I think this Lions team is capable of both of of laying a stinker. I think I think the biggest outlier and maybe this is me being a homer is the Jets game because that was just a cacophony of of bad things happening in a third quarter on top of each other on top of each other on top of each other of which we haven't really seen since we haven't seen Matthew Stafford throw four interceptions in a game since we haven't seen you know, quite as many special teams errors uh, all piled on top of each other and, and, and penalty after penalty or, you know, everything that went wrong in that Jets game to me was not something that's necessarily emblematic of that, of the Lions team that we've seen outside of the big plays in the run. That is not of, of all things in the Detroit Lions that I know of the team. The only thing that they've consistently done is be horrible at defending. Them. And not to be one thing. Not to step on the toes of first bite or anything, which comes back later this week. Hopefully, we're going to try to see what we can get from Finn Sider. Jeremy's going to be on the road down to South Florida himself, and uh, I'm going to be pretty busy during the week, as always. But, I mean, uh, not not to step on the toes once again of first bite, but if you want to see if there's a chance any game looks like that Jets game, it's going to be, I fear, a potential for that to happen against the Dolphins. Not because the Dolphins are good or anything, but as we saw with the Bears, in this league now, with everyone kind of in this weird kind of fugue, fugu, is it fugu? Fugue? Fugue? State? Fugue? fugue? I was saying fugu. I was saying the, the poisonous fish that people like to eat as sushi. Um, in this fugue state that is the NFL and the all-encompassing parody that where everyone is now apparently no better than 500 except for like one or two teams, uh, coming out of a bye week could be a chance for disaster, could be coming in slow, could be coming in sluggish. And before you know it, you have just geo dudes piled on top of you, thrown by Jim Trainer Brock Osweiler, <laughs> which is apparently what happens to the Bears. We're getting to them next segment because, oh, my God, are we not letting that go? The whole bye but, week thing, though, like, I feel like that's just an excuse to create a narrative, because if the Lions come out strong and, and beat the crap out of the Dolphins, it's. Well, they were well-rested and more healthy. 
But if they come out slow and sluggish, it's, oh, I guess they took the bye week a little too easy. Well, here's, to come I mean, back. I'm, like, I'm, also looking, I'm also looking at stats, though. Like, Albert Wilson had, like, a career-high 155 yards uh, against the Bears for the Dolphins. 138 those came after the catch. He did, he did to the Bears what Golden Tate should do to the Bears. The only difference is that, like, I can't imagine looking at that coming against this Lions team. It's not going to look pretty. If he can have another yak full day, it's not going to look good. And by the way, speaking of while we're talking about the Lions roster, we haven't even touched on Jamal Agnew. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if we want to change over discussion to that, we can. But I think the Lions secondary is a lot better than the Bears secondary. And uh, Ryan? Uh, the Bears secondary doesn't have Darius Slay, so I I, I, I would tip my cap in the direction of the Lions, but Darius Slay's had a couple of bad games though. He has. I think he's truly the kind of guy who's who's gonna bounce back though. Like I mean we've seen him have bad games before and he's 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 bounced back in, in a big way. But speaking of using things to fit a narrative, I mean if you're looking at the weather and I know we're like a little less than a week out, it's looking like it's it's looking like it's gonna be another humid and hot day. And I know a lot of Bears fans are doing their best job of like making excuses like, but this has been a thing that's been a running common theme with like the Lions is like playing outdoors and like it looks like there's there's a potential for like precipitation and whatnot. So, I mean, this is another Lions team that what was Jim Caldwell's old quote? Like they're an indoor team with an outdoor mentality or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, who knows what kind of things Patricia might do differently to, you know, get the team prepared. But this is something that we always kind of talk about. And it's just like the reality of a team that plays, you know, at least eight of its games every year indoors um, when they have to go down to South Florida. And it's, you know, 87 degrees with, you know, 85 percent humidity and it feels like it's 95 and it's it's wet and nasty and muggy than. Which really oh. shouldn't be normal for a late October football game, even in Florida. But hey, totally. you know what? That's that's the that's the world we get to have because of global warming. Fun <laughs> stuff, you know. Price of beer there is going to go is. up. Guess what? Your football is going to get screwed up too. I'm there just saying, man. I'm just saying, beer is going to be going up and football is going to get screwed up. This sport's in trouble. <laughs> so, sounds like a lot of people's lives will be in trouble in general. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, we're supposed to talk about football here, so. Uh, okay, well then, let's mention that the Dolphins are three and zero at home, and the Lions are zero and two away. Yep, that's pretty bad too. The Dolphins, for some ungodly reason, in Hard Rock State is that Hard Rock Stadium now? Something like that. It's definitely Hard Rock Cafe. Hard Stadium. Rock. Hard Rock. Somehow Hard they're sixty percent filled with Dolphins fans, forty percent away fans has turned into some sort of home field advantage where they're actually one of the best teams in the NFL at home over the past couple of years, which is insane to think about. But uh, who knows? Who knows what's going on, whether it's the weather, whether it's some sort of weird juju magic they've got going on. Skeleton bones buried at midfield. of New Orleans. They're they're New Orleans without the fans and pretty much everything (laughs) else and a franchise quarterback. And that's a slight upon sort of success in the past 20 years. Comparing the rich, cultured life of New Orleans to just whatever the hell they do in Miami is an is an egregious sin here, Jeremy. Anyway, we're at fifteen Have minutes. You had a Cuban sandwich? That's not a, that's not enough to save Miami, Jeremy. <laughs> that's not enough to save Miami. 
I, I want to say real quick, how did you completely miss the opportunity to go back to your, your Pokemon like stick that you were doing when you're talking about hard rock cafe hard, stadium? Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. And and you know what the funny thing is too? Rock is supposed to be, you know, weak to water, but these they seem to have developed some sort of resistance to it. Yeah. Crazy, man. It's evolution at its finest. We're gonna we're okay, real quick, Jamal Agnew got hurt. There's really not much else to say. <laughs> He's going on the IR. We're over the time limit. Uh we'll talk a little bit about him and what that means, and then we're gonna run around the NFL when we come back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast on our sleepy bi-week edition. Right in Detroit, POD cast. I swear, after next break, I'm going to make coffee and uh, get my energy back. Uh, real quick, before we go around the NFL, I'm particularly looking at the NFC North. Uh, as always, spoiler alert, we are recording this on a Monday. The Packers have not yet played the 49ers. By the time we are speaking, they will be by the time you hear this in your ears. Two, three, and uh, Thank you. Um. <laughs> Lions have placed Jamal Agnew on the injured reserve, which doesn't really amount for much much besides punt returns. That's true. Uh, it, it also amounts for some stuff in the backfield, if you don't mind me getting up there eventually. But Keep it going. is mostly at this point a depth a depth problem. Did I screw up somewhere? I mean, he's playing a very significant amount of snaps on defense these days. Uh, is he? Okay. He is, especially at the nickel slot and. I mean, we'll probably get more into this in the first week, but I think the nickel spot is going to be key against the the Dolphins. They've got a bunch of speedy receivers, and Jamal Hagnew is obviously one of the speediest guys on the team. So um, I think this goes well beyond special teams in terms of a, a loss for the Lions, and hopefully the reports are true that Hagnew can come back um, if, if the Lions make a playoff push towards the end of the season. But, you know, if it's true that it's an ACL injury, which is what some feared, then you know typically they require surgery and at least six months uh, rehab, which means you know he wouldn't even be back for the Super Bowl if the Lions were somehow in the Super Bowl. So I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. But I think this is this is a pretty significant injury for the Lions for a guy that you know what was he a fifth round pick last year? Lions special team though is twenty seventh in DVOA right now. So not because of him. He let's well, see. Let me see. Let me find the punt numbers here. Minus well, a, four. He only has what six? Yeah, minus a uh, minus one on punt return stat. So what does that mean? Minus what's not minus good. one. Minus one's minus one, Jeremy. Minus one what? What stat are you saying right now? Minus one. Okay, cool. Uh let's talk about who's gonna be the Lions punt returner. Because I think that's an interesting topic that a lot of people like to talk about, even though the Lions literally only have seven punt returns on on the stat sheet at this point. And All I right. think that's because their defense doesn't like to force punts, unfortunately. Uh, Ryan, who are your top candidates right now? Uh, I think I have an idea of who I, who I think it will be, but I would really like if Abdullah just got an opportunity. And I know it's kind of difficult to find a spot for him on the active game day roster just because you don't want to have too many running backs. But I think that problem can be fixed pretty easily by just putting him in there instead of Theo Riddick. I want to hear everybody gasp collectively right now um, <laughs> that I would even mention the idea of having Amir Abdul, you know, on the game day roster rather than Theo Riddick. But I mean, 
if you're looking for a guy who has special teams versatility and can also kind of do a lot of the things that Theo Riddick can do, maybe not as good of a pass blocker as Theo Riddick, but a much better like running back. Yeah, but I mean, I'm a much, a much better like running back as like a, a guy who can like actually prove to be a threat um, without having to make three cuts before the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I, I just think Amir Abdullah would be would be really interesting to see get as much opportunity as he could with this team um, with, you know, the the advantages of having, um, you know, a, an offensive line and things like that. But then the other guy is uh, is TJ Jones, who already is on the active game day roster and has some prior experience returning punts. And uh, maybe my dark horse candidate might be Golden Tate. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people might not like the idea of having one of the more important parts of your roster, um, you know, moonlighting as a punt returner but uh the Steelers have done it before with Antonio Brown so I I don't know if it's all that crazy to to throw Golden Tate back there and have him do it I was clearly getting Agnew screwed up with someone else as far as names now that I'm looking (laughs) at my notes no worries (sighs) uh well okay so let me let me throw the host doesn't know what he's talking about an awful podcast (laughs) (laughs) well okay with Abdullah the challenge here Obviously, it makes sense on kick returns. Punt returns, however, dude hasn't done it since his sophomore year in college. I don't. We we saw him take reps during training camp. We saw him take reps uh, even before that, but he's never done it in the NFL. He didn't do it in his last couple of years in Nebraska. I don't know if he's capable of it. And and like you were mentioning, I just don't know if he's if that's worth the the roster spot. We we keep talking year in and year out how special teams is kind of getting a diminished role because of the rules and. While it hasn't quite hit punts yet, mentioned before, the lines aren't forcing any punts, so they don't really need a guy. who need, I, I don't think it's worth a, a game day active roster spot to have a guy like Abdullah back there returning punts, especially when I, I think a lot of people underrate how important Theo Riddick is, even though he's not the reception king that he was last year. Um, pass protection is, is really, really important for this offense, especially on third downs. So... I think you keep theoretic in the game. I think the question is then, do you want TJ Jones or do you want Brandon Powell? And TJ Jones hasn't been the offensive threat that he was last year. What does he have? Like a couple catches on the year, I think. Let me shake it quickly. Yeah, I mean, but is, is, is two, that two catches that, for 10 yards? Yeah. Is that all that different though? than like a year ago, but then here, here's, here's what's happening a year ago. Is that golden Taylor? Is that Kenny Gallagher? is hurt so tj jones all of a sudden has like more of an opportunity and is playing more snaps so like uh, yeah i really don't think it's a matter of you know tj jones not really showing up it's just that there are three guys who are probably maybe one of the top three units when it comes to receivers in the nfl playing ahead of them absolutely but doesn't that diminish his value for being a game day active because Um, i I think i think it's almost undeniable that brandon powell would be a better punt return the question is whether you, do you value that big play potential more than you value TJ Jones as an offensive player? Uh, I, I like the idea of having TJ Jones there as an ice player. Okay. That's fair. And, uh, and then, yeah. yeah, the other factor there is also, uh, as you mentioned, Golden Tate, which I think the line should really play with that option. And we'll I see on Wednesday uh, whether, whether they're, they actually run any punt return drills while the media is out there. I'm guessing that they won't. So we probably just won't know until Sunday afternoon, but I, I definitely think, I think my preferred 
lineup is TJ Jones on kick returns, Golden Tate on punt returns. And I know I, I, I know there's a little bit risk there, but I don't think punt returners get hurt as often as you know you think when you think special teams, you think injury laden plays, but that's tended to be more on kickoffs where people are running full speed. Just just tell Golden Tate if no one's within five yards, take it. If there's anyone within eyesight, fair catch it. And I'm cool with that. Can you please talk about the now? Okay, go for it, buddy. They suck. They suck, and I am so glad that they got lost to Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler is an honorary Detroit Lion because he's he's 3-0 against the Bears, which means he owns you the Bears. You might want to hold off on that, man. You might want to hold off on that because we're about to go into his gym and face his Pokemon. And yes, I'm going to keep using this Pokemon reference. And not all these god awful people you saying Brock Lobster. Family Guy was never fun. Rocket ship? No, no, no. It's Brock the gym trainer. Wait, you, you, you connect Rock Lobster with Family Guy and not the B fifty twos. The only reason people remember that is no one cares about the B fifty twos. They played like <laughs> one song that people liked. Listen, listen, I, I don't know what to think of like the rest of the NFC North right now. Again, we have to sit here on our hands waiting for the uh, god-awful Packers to play, the 49ers. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I don't want to, actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to try to predict that one. But you know, as we look around the NFL, there's just been some really bizarre games here. Most of all is that Kansas City was somehow denied its rightful victory on Sunday night football, but keeping inside the NFC North, the Vikings have now gotten off to two victories. This one, a little more comfortable over the Cardinals, even though the Cardinals were a 10 point favorite, the game ends about, let's see here, 10 points of victory. Cool. However, they're losing more and more people. They just lost Mike Hughes with a torn ACL out of their backfield. Uh, so I don't know how much juice they really have going the distance there, but I can tell you right now is that the Chicago. Okay. They lost in overtime to Brock, to Brock Osweiler and probably the most bizarre sequence of events I have seen in a football game. Just, and, and if you need any, any source of like emotion going through that game, look at Kenyon Drake. There's a dead spin article out there with Kenyon Drake with his emotions up and down about it. Mitch Trubisky is in this game. He throws, again, 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And again, to his credit, like the Bears came back in this game. They came in this bet in this game to force overtime. I don't know what to do with two seasonably good games out of Mitchell Trubisky. Out of Mitch. I don't I, I watch this game front to back and I don't think this was a good game for Mitchell Trubisky. I know the stat sheet says otherwise, and I know it says he threw for 10.2 yards per attempt, but so much of that I had to have come on Yaki. I think he connected on two big plays. But if you watch the first half of this game, which Chicago was shut out, they were dinking and dunking. Mitchell was missing early passes. He was back to you know his 3.8 yards per attempt self. And this Bears offense was lost. And and it's funny because usually this Bears offense has been wild in the first half where, you know, we talk so much about the scripted plays. And once Adam Gase, or not Adam Gase, getting my teams mixed up. Yeah, he's he's with the Dolphins. Yes, sorry. Uh, Nagy. 
Nagy, Matt Nagy, once Matt Nagy's script is over, Trubisky is lost. It was kind of the opposite in this game because the Bears came out in the third quarter, scored on three straight possessions, although one was aided by, I think, a Brock Osweiler almost pick six. But I don't know. I, I am not at all convinced that Mitchell Trubisky is back, that I shouldn't even say back, is has arrived, I guess, based on that performance. I thought the Bears' offense looked pretty bad outside of that one string of, of series in, in the third quarter. But I think the story of this game is the Bears' defense, right? Yeah, is, no, no, it was. It absolutely is. This was like, Khalil Mack's team. I think he had four straight games where he had a, a sack and a, a fumble. In this game, the Bears had zero sacks. Zero. And even, I mean, this is this is weird because even after this game, the, the Bears still possess, I believe, what is it, the fourth, tied for fourth best point differential in the NFL at plus 43. Right. So like I mean, they've they've put down some teams and yet they come into this one and just like I I I I I I mean I was not expecting them to come back but as you say that first half of the game is not a Bears team we have seen before this year at least so Ryan I don't like the Bears have a pretty tough schedule here but I'm I'm still sitting here wondering if they can keep their perch on the top of this NFC North disgusting as that is to say it's true yeah. right now. I I think it can all tumble down rather quickly. I it, it it isn't entirely sustainable in the NFL to have this model and I mean look no further than the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Mm-hmm. I mean look no further than a team like that who clearly has one of the better defenses in the NFL. I mean they laid a total egg against the Cowboys, but their quarterback isn't doing them any favors. Um so I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky is is Blake Bortles because nobody's Blake Bortles except for him. Um, Blake but fact. yeah, yeah, that's that's a true Blake Bortles, Bortles fact, fact right there. <laughs> but but Trubisky, I mean, I, I think the the most telling thing that happened in that game yesterday was in overtime after the Kenyon Drake fumble, the ball comes out to the 25 yard line and it's run, 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 run don't let Mitchell Trubisky take the ball and throw it downfield. And it cost him the game. And I think it was really telling that Nagy wasn't aggressive in any sort of way to get his kicker into a better you know, situation. Because at a certain point, if you're the Dolphins, it's like, yeah, this guy isn't going to throw the ball. So let's stack up the box. We'll eventually get a stop. They're going to kick a field goal. They miss it, and th- and that cost them the game. So I'm not saying that Trubisky cost them the game, or it was Matt Nagy, you know, keeping the ball out of his quarterback's hands and not letting him throw down the field. But there's clearly something that isn't sustainable about the Bears' model right now when it comes to what they're able to do on offense. Their defense is is good. It's even better because of Cleo Mack, but I, I don't think it's anything that can keep them, as you say, Chris. Um, you know, keep them perched. Up atop the nfc north for for any viable amount of time and all these models too ryan always seem to rely on okay well our quarterback isn't that good but we're going to be able to do pretty well in the run game and yet kind of like how leonard fournette wasn't that for the jacksonville jaguars jordan howard hasn't really been that for the, the chicago bears yeah, they're kind of undergoing a little bit of an identity crisis, I think, when it comes to their 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 backfield with how how much should Cohen get the ball? I mean, the Lions aren't the only team in the NFC North, and look at the NFC North as a whole. Like, uh, 
from the Packers and whether or not Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams should be getting more snaps or carry on Johnson here in Detroit versus LeGarrette Blunt, Theo Riddick, or um, I mean, the Vikings don't really have a choice with Dalvin cook being, um, you know, injured all the time, but Latavius Murray might be the best backup running back in the NFL. I don't know. Every time they ask that guy to show up, <laughs> he shows up in a big way, but yeah, Chris, I, I mean, usually it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you know, if our if our quarterback, if he, he at least can kind of like get it done, like in a Dak Prescott kind of way, circa, you know, 2016, then then we can let Ezekiel Elliott take us there. The, the Bears don't have that. So it's nobody in the NFC North is a world beater right now. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that we're talking about an NFC North where it's like, yeah, I think most every one of these teams would be preferable to trying to pass the ball. Even the Bears, even knowing that Mitchell Trubisky might cost them the game. They just don't have a ground game that is like a number one priority. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed watching that Bears loss as much as anybody, I think. But this team is still, th- this team is here to stay. As much as we like to slam them, they have a ton of weapons on offense now, in- including Tariq Cohen, who... They're still re- is, really is, healthy, too. And Yeah, and they're pretty healthy. I mean, Tariq Cohen is, is theoretic times two. Uh, Allen Robinson hasn't quite broken out yet because they don't have much of a downfield passing game, but you know, five catches, 64 yards and a touchdown last week. And this defense is going to bounce back. I think the dolphins tried something new, which was get the ball out as fast as you friggin' can and have your running, your wide receivers just run like hell after the catch. Albert Wilson was an absolute monster on Sunday and the Bears will have an answer for that eventually. And and they started to, at the end of the game, you know, they, they kind of brought their cornerbacks in. They realized, oh, okay, this Dolphins aren't even going to give Khalil Mack a chance. They're just going to get it out of the, out of whoever, Brock Osweiler or, or Tannehill's hands. But the Bears will adapt. And I, I think this Bears team is, is still very much a contender in the NFC North. Like you said, kind of every team is. But if I had to put, you know, a top two teams in the NFC North on in in my list right now, the Bears would be on it. Wow. I'm going to guess the other is... Jeremy's you, favorite team. It can't be the Packers. Jeremy's trying to be too clever. He would not say the Packers. He'd say the Vikings. The Vikings. Everybody knows Jeremy's affinity for the Vikings. Why is that ridiculous? Tell me what's wrong with the Vikings other than injuries. Um... You know, even even Sands injuries, and, and this is why I, I tend to think the NFC North, a lot of people are kind of like labeling it as wide open, but I don't think they know what they're talking about. But like if you're getting into like the nitty gritty of it, uh, even if the Vikings were healthy, their offensive line is not only like historically bad. I don't know what even is like a greater superlative than saying historically bad. So I'm just going to keep running with what I'm saying. I, right I now. have one. I have one. Go ahead. Basura. Yes. It's cheeks. It's butt cheeks. It's <laughs> terrible. It's really bad. I don't even care if they're 100% healthy. It's so bad. So, so bad. I mean, Kirk Cousins has turned the ball over in every single game he's played so far this season. Yeah. He always does that. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> he kind of does. Yeah. I- you were just saying how Latavius Murray shows up. He had the team ran for 195 yards and 6.1 yards per carry against the Cardinals. Cool. The Cardinals are not a very good team against the run. Cardinals are probably the true. worst team in the NFL right now. I think the Raiders would have something to say about that. 
Oh yeah, I'm okay. Maybe let me let me clarify. In the <laughs> NFC, then in the NFC, the Giants yeah. might have something to say about that too. Uh, I think the Cardinals are worse than the Giants. <laughs> I feel so bad for David Johnson. He's doing everything he can. Um, everything, man. If only they had Amir Abdullah. If only. So yeah, I don't know. Like the Vikings, and the injuries thing, man. That's that's a it's a thing. Concern. It, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a thing, and but you know what? That's a thing that they didn't really have to deal with at all last year, right? True. When, when, um, when, when not offensively. Yeah. There were some defensive things they had going on. But, I mean, you're not at all impressed with their last two games, beating the Eagles on the road and, and pretty much <laughs> beating the Cardinals. But, pushing but, pushing but, the Vegas line, I must losing say. Losing to the Bills? Losing to the Bills? That's why I said last two games. Oh yeah, because we. This yeah, is how it, is how it goes. No, no, what? no, you don't think teams improve? You, like, I mean, you were just no, saying did. the Patriots were a completely different team two, three. We weeks just say ago. too the you Eagles. Give that, the Eagles thing, that same. The Eagles have not like, looked like the Eagles have not looked like their Super Bowl. No one has, dude. Either. Like, what kind of wins are going to impress you? Only against the Rams, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. Yeah. Hey, the Lions, pretty much well, at this point the Lions beat one of those teams and it was also not yeah me. and you're not giving them credit for it it was also not me who said that the Patriots were a completely different team two three weeks ago that was Chris but I'm, I'm aware and um, I stand by it on the same team right now okay oh okay all right cool <laughs> we should take a break here I, I've been thinking about what to do for the last segment you guys I think we've got enough in the mailbag we can just go we can go our, our mailbags been going really long do you guys want to do two segments of mailbag Double you want to take a break how about that? Crazy. A bi-week double mailbag. Christmas in October. We will be right back. I'm going to make some coffee and bring it right into the mailbag. And that means a lot of Lions questions that we will take in this mailbag. So don't worry if you're expecting our mailbags to be weird and janky. We are going to take some Lions stuff because we haven't really talked too much on the Lions right now. We're going to correct that when we come back here on the Pride of Detroit podcast. <laughs> Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. We are doing a double sized mailbag, but first we start with the reviews. Jeremy, we have good reviews, I hope. We do, and a bunch of them again. So either you guys really like my Shakira singing or you're trying to prevent it. I don't remember what we said, but you might get some. I'm just going to say that. Um, first review comes from Big J Shaky. Five stars. Says about as good as the Lions, which seems like an insult, but I guess it isn't. Says much like the team, these podcasts are wildly inconsistent. There's some great bits. Great. I'm sorry. There is some great analysis and really fun ongoing bits. I'd also say there's maybe more food talk than necessary, but when it's the Lions, well, I can see how too many team-specific questions could get depressing. Overall, good stuff and key, and a key part of my weekly listening experience. Listen, food, everyone has to eat. Not everyone has to watch the Lions. Everyone's got to eat, though. <laughs> it's a rock-solid, tight argument right there. Second review comes from Weiger Loves Hot Salad. It says. These dudes are pretty good. Also gives us five stars and actually treats us as a mailbag, kind of. So I guess we could take the two questions that he throws in here 
uh, to start off Mailbag if you want. He asks, what's your favorite POD song? Also, who do you think would be the best free agent backup quarterback to scoop so we can ditch old man Cassie? I've got uh, quick answers for that. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, probably, you know what? Uh, Youth of the Nation's too easy. I'm going to say Booyaka three, uh, 619. And the second question, I'm going to say Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> the first answer is definitely Boom. Here comes the Red Eel Nut. Is that song actually called Boom? Or is it just Boom? Boom. Okay. Brian, you want to weigh in here? I have no idea what to even say after any of the things that have just been said. Well, let's move on then to the first question of our Thank double, you. of our king-sized mailbag here. David Bodine asking us, what are the chances the Lions go after Peterson? What would they have to give up? I'm pretty sure they've got Capra. Uh, I'm assuming he's talking about Patrick Peterson, not Adrian Peterson, right? I believe so, because, yeah, there's some rumors out there that, that Patrick Peterson might be on, on the block since the Cardinals are a hot mess. Um, Ryan and I were just talking about this off off air. Ryan, you're, you're for this, right? I'm 100% on board, but the question is, what do you think the chances are that the Lions do it? Which brings up an interesting theory. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned, Jeremy, I mean, the Lions did go after another cornerback, a veteran cornerback, during the offseason this year. Yeah, Richard Sherman was a guy that the Lions at least tried to contact. And, you know, there were talks that they were going after Malcolm Butler, which it turns out was probably a good idea that they didn't because he's been horrible this year. But, yeah, I mean, it's clear that the Lions wanted to upgrade their cornerback position. So I don't think interest in Patrick Peterson is out of the question here. The question is how much it would cost. That's something that I don't know if we could really speculate because we have no idea. But one of the costs that we do know is is quite a hefty contract. He's got three more years on his deal. This year, fifteen million cap hit. Next year, twelve million. The following year, thirteen million. That's a lot of cap room to devote to a guy who's in his late twenties. Um, but you're you're still on board with that. I mean, I'm on board with it because you have his contract this year, and then it's two years after that, and he he'll be out the door after he's turned thirty. So, um. Here's the thing about Patrick Peterson. One of the best cornerbacks in the NFL still has been for quite some time. Um, he solves your punt returner problem instantly. Sure. sure. Um, I think if you pair Patrick Peterson with Darius Slay, you have maybe the best cornerback tandem in all of the NFL. There's only two spots on defense where I'd pay premium draft capital in order to acquire, you know, a, a player. And, and the, the two positions are cornerback and pass rusher. And it's really proven to benefit the Chicago Bears. And they had to pay quite a hefty price to get Khalil Mack. I don't think you'd have to pay anywhere near the same same price tag that it costs the, the Bears to get Khalil Mack from, from Oakland. Although, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it really wasn't even that much to begin with. Right. Because they got the second round pick back. But if the Cardinals call and they say they want a second round pick for Patrick Peterson, I think if I'm the Lions, I think I'm making that deal. Okay. Well, I guess my, my biggest issue with, with something like this is it's a very short-termy kind of issue or, or move to make. Um, you're getting Patrick Peterson for two and a half seasons. You could you might even cut him after one and a half because that 
cap space is so big and he might not be as effective in a couple of years. Sure. But by making a move like that, you're, you're making a statement. Like the Lions not only win soon, like this seat, that's a, this season move. Like I know we were just talking about how open the NFC North is, but are you, are you comfortable making a short term play like that? I, I'm not so sure I'm comfortable in the Lions enough to make a, a, a short term move like that. Let me let me say why I am is because look at T's Tabor. <laughs> I mean, what have the Lions really done with second round picks outside of you know Carry on Johnson's looked good, but the Lions also had uh, the Carry on Johnson's the reason why the Lions don't have a third round pick next year. Sure, true. Uh, um, so I mean, re- really, in, in in all actuality, I I think the reason why I'm willing to buy in on Patrick Peterson is because I'm familiar with how proven a commodity he is. Mm-hmm. He turns the Lions secondary into a serious strength. Um, if you, the only, the only thing that can potentially dissuade me is that it's not solving the run defense problem. And that's so clearly the problem that the Lions defense has. But also I said this the day that like these rumors came out. I think it was Sunday morning, but I quote tweeted the report or the rumors of this. And I said, this is exhibit a of why I could never run an NFL franchise because I love Patrick Peterson. We think back to all those great battles that him and Calvin Johnson had and me just having like so much respect for him as, as a, as a player. Um, And even as a person, like uh, during that, the all or nothing season that, you know, uh, the Amazon did, on the on the Arizona Cardinals. Um I think he's just a really like he's a really good football player and a really good dude and it's this is the exact reason for why I should never run an NFL organization is because I would just make trades. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. Like Patrick Peterson's one of my favorite non Lions players and I would love for him to be on the team. I just I don't know. I just don't have enough confidence in the Lions right now. And I mean if if we're being serious, these are the kind of moves that we don't see that often in the NFL. This is just kind of fun pie in the sky armchair GMing. I, I don't think Patrick Peterson eventually gets shopped. I think this is just kind of drumming up excitement for the trade deadline that's coming up in a couple of weeks, but it, it would hard for me, even though my, my brain says, no, don't do this. If it were to somehow happen, my heart would take over for sure. Just like yours. I'd be like, I mean, we need to, we second. need to get more into this mailbag. We need to get more into this mailbag. I know we said that we do it double size, but we've spent way a, a ton on this. We so, love excellent, Peterson excellent. too much. I'm sorry. I know clearly, clearly. And I want to get onto this pressing question we have here from uh Toledo boy, who is not my alt. <laughs> what is the best Brock lobster nickname? Since we are going to meet up with the Brocalypse at hard Brock stadium. I'm a big fan of Brocktober. <laughs> I can't I can't help but think of that Birdtober uh tweet from way back where just sobbing like you can't make everything you see and turn it into uh into an, an October meme and that's what he is. He's it's Brocktober season, baby. Yeah. What I'm you still gonna with the gym when- thing. What you gonna do when the Brock strikes twelve? Does that work? That doesn't work. I'm sorry. No, that's cut, cut awful. my own mic. Cut my own mic. Seriously. Next question. Uh, Sears bankruptcy from Jagswag81 underscore pod. Do you have any memories of shopping at Sears? Absolutely recent, none for me. Oh, I, I have a recent memory of shopping at Sears. Um, I was uh, I was up north. I was in 
Muskegon and uh, or I was in Petoskey. Yeah, I was in Petoskey, and I, Great I had there. Great Sears. <laughs> so I was in Petoskey, and I was there for a wedding, and I forgot to pack a white T-shirt, and all I needed was one white T-shirt, and like it's really difficult to buy just a single white T-shirt. Like you always have to buy like a three pack or a five pack, and everything was like like 25 30 bucks for like all these white t-shirts i was like i don't want to spend that much on white t-shirts i need a white t-shirt for one for one evening and uh lo and behold it was sears that had like some like arizona jeans company single white t-shirt for like nine bucks and i was uber satisfied and i was really happy with that so uh, i'm I don't know. I'm kind of sad that Sears is going bankrupt because I mean, where else are you going to go when you need a single white tee and you don't want to shop at Walmart because they suck. I'll, I'll answer you there. Champs. That's where I go and get my single white tees. Champs. Are you going to do something special with that $10 white t-shirt? I think I wore it last week. <laughs> that is something special. It was, a, it was a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We've got two questions here from Three Stripe Life and Air Apparent, both asking the same question. I'm going to read Three Stripe's version of this. We are two. We are two to three with wins versus good quarterbacks, no run game to speak of at the time. Our losses are to teams. Okay, never mind. I'm going to skip straight to their question. They both want to ask about the run defense. They say that it is atrocious right now. Is there any way to fix it? It's not trade for Patrick Peterson. It, it isn't trade for Patrick Peterson, and that's a. That's a shame. <laughs> well, I mean, the Lions really struggle in the run defense, especially on those stretch plates, right? <clears throat> Where they really try to stretch out the defense. Um, they run to the edges. And when that's happening, they're testing the linebackers. And the Lions don't have good linebackers. Um, maybe Jared Davis catches on. Maybe Jalen Reeves Maven catches on. Maybe Christian Jones catches on. But None of problem. those things. None of those things are eliciting any confidence out of me, Jeremy. Yeah, well, like, here, here's I, the thing. Here's the thing about this question too. And like, I mean, I'm bringing it up because it's an interesting question. This is a, our double size mailbag. I said I'd get to these because we get these questions a lot about how it, does this get fixed? How do we fix this? Saying the team is a we. And like, you have to understand here, we're not GMs. We're not coaches. We're guys with a dumb podcast who. Write also who also write a blog. We can't fix anything. So, and that's kind of why I always turn my nose up to these questions a lot of times because I don't like playing armchair chair GM. So all we can do is tell you what is happening. We can't tell you how it gets fixed because we don't know how it gets fixed or if it gets fixed. And if we have the ear of of someone like Matt Patricia, I have more pressing things to ask him than how he fixes the uh, run defense. Well, and even if you do ask him, which a billion people have already, he's not going to give you an answer it's not going to tell you their strategy but i mean their strategy's got to be involved i mean it's clear they know that it's it's a problem paul pascaloni said you do two like there are two focuses on defense stop the run and make the quarterback uncomfortable lines have done an okay job at making the quarterback uncomfortable they've done a god-awful job at stopping the run so I will also say this, between the three of us and the two people asking, there is zero combined minutes of NFL experience at this table. So, like... Don't don't sell ourselves short. Come on. Who'd you play for? Who drafted you? Right in Detroit, baby. (laughs) (sighs) I I, I will say the, the thing that 
The thing that the Lions could do is that they could get Ezekiel Ansa from 2015 back. I think that would help. He does set the edge. He's a good run defender. I'm I'm hoping we see him at practice on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. He would go a long ways towards helping the, the run defense. Yeah, I mean, we had a few other people asking about Ansa, and like, I mean, it's whatever it is at this point if we see him back or not. Um, I have a more pressing question here, and we're about to go to break, and we'll get to the rest of the mailbag after this, and probably one more. So, Jacob Music asking us: Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? I, I feel like either we've had this discussion off air or on air before, but I think it's a Christmas movie. Santa Claus, I mean, it, it revolves around Christmas, right? Yeah, no, we've had this before, and I think our answer was it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's, defi- it's definitely a Christmas movie for like some of the same reasons that I argue people until I'm blue in the face that a cheesecake is a pie and not a cake, but like Christmas is in the title. Or sure. Batman Batman Returns is a Christmas movie, too. The best Christmas both by movie. Tim, both by Tim Burton. But you can you can watch Nightmare Before Christmas for Halloween. I'll allow that. I won't. Duke asking <laughs> us: Would you rather have Lakin Tomlinson, Eric Ebron, or Kyle Van Noy back? Oh boy, you don't want to start a new segment with this question. We might go long on this one. Uh, you know what? Let's take a break and we come back. I'll give Ooh. you guys three minutes on the clock to answer this, and then we'll go rapid fire through the rest of the questions. We'll be right back. Mailbag continues. I can't do a voice for that. Uh, as I said, we teased you with a question. Who would you rather have back for the Lions right now? Eric Ebron, Kyle Van Noy, or Lakin Tomlinson? And we talked about this a little bit off air. I think the only two acceptable answers here are Kyle Van Noy or Eric Ebron, right? Yeah, unless, unless you're concerned about TJ laying for the long term, which is understandable considering all the concussions and other injuries he's had. But the Lions' offensive line is great right now. I'm, I'm, I'm buying the Lions' offensive line right now. I, I don't. Need I don't think any Tom. I mean, there. Tomlinson. Um, we we knew what Tomlinson was with his line too. Yeah, it's and he's not, he's not a world beater in San Francisco right now either. So I'm go ahead and just take him off the board completely because he shouldn't be your answer. I mean, like I want to say Eric Ebron, but maybe it's just confirmation bias because, like, every time Kyle Van Noy's done a good with New England. It's been in like a big situation where everyone notices and it's, it's always on like a primetime game or it's in a Super Bowl or something. So I feel like the answer is still Ebron, who has just been quietly just a touchdown machine for for Indianapolis. Whereas like Kyle Van Noy, I get some headlines, but I don't know what else to say. Eric Ebron's line from the Colts loss to the Jets, by the way, he was their receiving leader with 71 yards on four receptions uh, and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he's he's already set career marks in, in yards in a game with 105 last week, already set a career mark in, in career touchdowns for a season. He's already got six this year, which is more than he had in any other season with the Lions. I, I'm just saying. And obviously, I, he feels a big need with the Lions yeah. at tight end, too. But I, I honestly think my answer is Kyle Van Noy because we were just talking about it. The Lions run, can't stop the run. And the Lions need linebackers that are good or at least familiar with Matt Patricia's system. And Kyle Van Noy, like you said, he's not a world beater. He's not a guy who puts up a great amount of stats. He's probably also 
maybe even lower than average in terms of PFF grade. I'm not sure, but that's what I'm suspecting based on what I've seen him play. He's, he's not a great player. He's he's just an average player. But the Lions could really, 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 really use an average player at the linebacking core right now. And so I, I think I would take Van Noy by a hair. I'm taking best player available. That's that's my strategy here, pretty much. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to with me and Ebron. Like, look, I mean, I, I've written this column, and we've said it a million times before. I said way back, Lions were going to regret letting Ebron go. And part of that is on them for not picking up a replacement either. But part of that is, too, Ebron has looked really good in Indianapolis. And I don't want to hear about fresh starts and new beginnings because you had a chance to do it here, and the Lions did not. To be fair, he's also getting a bajillion targets, which is something he never got. In, I mean, in he had track. seven targets. Let's see, he had seven targets uh, on Sunday. So, yeah. Then 15 like, the week before, 10, 11. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's definitely a part of that, which is funny, too, because like when he went to Indianapolis, we thought he was going to be, like, what, second on the depth chart behind uh, uh, Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle, Doyle yeah. who's is he, he's hurt, right? Yeah, he's been dealing with injuries. So Ebron's kind of stepped up in that place, but he was not obviously the the Colts' a number one option here. Break the tie, Ryan. Speaking of a one options, um, Kyle Van Noy was never good when he was in Detroit. Never. And I know that he wasn't a part of the scheme that maybe Matt Patricia's you know taken from New England and and brought to Detroit now. Um. But Kyle Van Noy really isn't even that good now. So I'm just going to keep Eric Ebron because the Lions at tight end have nothing. Like, I know that the Lions, like, it, I, I, I feel like if they had some more, it, like, to, to, the, to the point, I feel like if they had some more offensive power that a tight end, that an interior receiving option like Ebron would bring, then they wouldn't have to worry about upgrading to just an average linebacker. I'm saying that there I'm saying that there's potential at linebacker and that the guys are young and I'm willing to just kind of roll with them cuz I feel like Can we can we rewind the tape to 5 minutes ago? Well, uh, sure. Mailbag. Where you, <laughs> you were just trashing the, the linebackers and saying the Lions run defense is god awful and unfixable. Yeah, Kyle Van Noy not a good run defender. <laughs> but he's better than what we got, man. Are we sure? All right. Kinda. Well, Let's I know rapid. for sure I know for sure Eric Ebron is better than any tight end that's on the roster. Like I know that for okay. sure. That's fair, but I just I don't know. I think the Lions have come to terms with not having a tight end essentially. And their offense is okay. I don't it's want good. any of them. I don't want any of them back. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's Does get that break your stupid tie. Let's get <laughs> another question here. Bud Dog, what is the most offensive thing you've seen put on a pizza? Kyle Van Noy. <laughs> okay, good answer. Closing submissions for that one right there. Um, Trevor Parcella has a few questions for us, but I want to reach this one because we were kind of talking about it earlier. Is it even a little bit possible that the Bears take this division? Realistically, give me percentage how the chances you think the Bears win the NFC North. Mm, I have a number, but I want to hear Jeremy's number first. 30%. I was going to say 35%. Yeah, I mean, it, it could happen. I could definitely see it happening. We've seen defensive teams that can run the ball win divisions. I don't think it'll win them a championship. I don't think it'll win them an NFC championship. They'll probably get bounced in the first round because 
they don't trust their own quarterback, but they they can win the shitty division. And I mean, as we said, harking back to our earlier conversation, they don't even might not even have a run game. Which I th- like, if they had a run game, I think we would put this number higher, right? They're, but they're not bad at running the ball. No, they're not. But like right now, Jordan Howard just isn't like you know that that feature back they need him to be. Yeah, I yeah, I, I mean, even if it's even if it's not just Jordan Howard, like they, I think they need to find a way to have like an elite run game, and I just don't know if they have all of the pieces there because I think what they did like this off season, like how Jeremy kind of alluded to earlier, like they, they loaded up on offensive weapons. They went out and got Allen Robinson. They drafted Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel. Um, they, the, the tight end who's like injured all the time, Shaheen, mm-hmm. uh, Trey Burton. Like they went out and they got a bunch of guys who they were like, all right, here are all these skill position players. Got Matt Nagy. He's the offensive guy from Kansas City. He was able to do really cool things. And they upgraded at all those positions when really they had like a pretty good running game that they could have like built on. And that didn't happen. So I think that they truly need like a really, really good run run game in order to to do like kind of like what Jeremy was talking about, like to to like win like a, a playoff game or, or something like that. But this division, man, I don't know. I think it could happen. Rex Grossman won this division before. And that dovetails nicely into this next question, probably towards the negative for this one from Nick Schramm. Is the NFC North the best slash toughest division in the NFL? If not, what is? And I think to our answer to our entire conversation for this podcast, it's no, it's just really mediocre. Yeah, it, it might be one of the most competitive divisions, but it's not the best. I think the best competitive probably is the same way that like those like early 2010s AL Central was competitive and that everyone was kind of in it, but kind of just slogging through it. Right. And I mean, we, we did talk about how the rest of the league is kind of like this right now, too. And there is definitely truth to that. I think the best division is the AFC North, which is something I think I don't think I would have said in a long time. But you got the Bengals, Ooh. the Ravens, the Steelers and the Browns, who I think are all at least average teams, if not all above average. And yeah, I am including the Browns in that. Well, the the Browns have a really good defense. Baltimore un- improbably has a plus 67 point differential right now, which is like, that's, that's second best in the NFL. The, the Rams have a plus 78. And usually like by the time you hit the end of the year, point differential tells you who the good teams are. And I know it's kind of a, 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 bear, a bad idea to look at it six games in, but still like the Ravens have been quietly very good Bengals. Like you can't argue with what the Bengals are doing right now. Yeah. They had a tough loss to Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, that, that kind of game is going to happen. Like Vontez perfect is going to go out there and try to decapitate someone. So the Ravens yesterday had a historic day on defense. They set a career or they set a franchise 11 sacks, with 11 sacks, yeah. 11 yes. sacks on Marcus <laughs> Mariota. I think that's more about the Titans than it is Baltimore, but still like I was going to say in order to in order to achieve a number like that, it takes two to tango. Yeah, absolutely. Is there is there any other division you guys would put up there? Maybe the NFC South? You know what? I I think the Chargers like I, I think the Broncos, despite their record, have a re- the Broncos very quietly have like the most efficient run game in the NFL right now. I know they're two and four, but they're pretty they're pretty solid. And the Chargers are also pretty good, even though no one goes to their football games in Carson. 
I'm, you, you can't nominate a division with the Raiders in it. That, that's I won't, true. I like won't the Raiders, the Raiders kind of weigh that down really <laughs> hard. But in the same case, the NFC West, I can't say that. I think the Seahawks and the Rams are both really good, but the Cardinals really weigh that down. I don't think the 49ers are that good either. I think the South then has to be your at least your second team, the NFC South. Saints, Panthers, Bucks, Falcons. I, I'm I don't know what Falcons, to make of the Falcons. I, know, I, really I know, don't know what Yeah, yeah. Go I on. know they started I know they started one and four, man, but th- that's a team that I just I think is gonna stick around. I don't they're not gonna win the division. I think the Saints that's that's all the Saints. But the Panthers are pretty good. I don't know what to think about the Bucks. I think the Bucks are a bad football team and I don't know. I don't know how they started two and zero, but it's the Falcons, yeah, the Falcons. Uh, you know, one and four holes are really, really hard to pull themselves out of. But I, I just get the feeling that they might figure it out. I think your answer is the AFC North, though, because I can't say the AFC yeah. East. Because I mean, the Patriots are there, and the Dolphins actually look good this year. But I'm, I expect the AFC East to start to fall apart some more. Like I, I, I expect to see some separation by the time they start playing divisional opponents. Right. The AFC South might once again be the worst division oh in football. Oh my god, awful, awful, <laughs> I'm, awful. I'm glad, I'm glad that they've reclaimed that that moniker. I don't even think the Colts with the worst record are the worst team in that division right now. They might not be. The Texans are terrible. bad. The Texans are awful. The Titans, as we just said, let someone put 11 sacks on them. And the Jaguars look nothing like the Jaguars of last year. And that's because they have stuck with the man, every Jaguars fan, everyone at Big Cat Country told them not to stick with, Blake Bortles. Love Their it. fault. They did it to themselves. They could have went out and got Teddy Bridgewater. They liked Bortles. Jalen Ramsey was very despondent yesterday when asking about it. <laughs> yes, he when was. About this stuff. It's like, man, if you're going to talk trash, you better be ready when the trash comes back around. Because mm-hmm. the man came around for Jalen. Uh, next question from Jimmy at Throw Jimmy. Which is better, biscuits and gravy or corned beef hash? No! Why? Why do you have to pit such good things against each other? I think it's, if it's sausage gravy, then my answer is biscuits and gravy. Like, I I just like that stuff. That stuff is really good. It's really good and messy and delicious. I think 12-year-old me would have said biscuits and gravy, like, in a heartbeat, but the older I get, I think I'm more into corned beef hash just because you of can the get, versatility. So 13, yeah, I was 13 year old you. I, I was going to say, you can do creative things with hash. You can add extra things into hash. You can really get out there with it. Yeah, I was going to say, so like in like the three years since I've been 13, <laughs> um, I really, I've really grown into a guy who appreciates a nice corned beef hash. I'm just not big on potatoes. That's me. It's, it's almost a legitimate tie for going on taste alone. But how I feel afterwards, I think, is the tiebreaker for me. And biscuits and gravy will ruin my day with how it makes me feel because it's so bloating and and just heavy. Hold on. Whereas corned beef hash, I, I can I can mess with that for the rest of the day. I can carry that for the rest of my day. Really, I I can't do potatoes that well. So just, I think just like I don't know gravy in the morning is just it's weird. It's like a sauce. It definitely sets a precedent for your day. You're like, yeah, I'm eating, I'm eating lard to start today. Fair enough. All right. Uh, John Whitaker. I don't know who this guy is. Uh, since Ryan is famous after his Guy Fieri tweet and is now on a level above us peasants, who will be replacing him at POD? 
Heavy is the head that wears the crown. So in case you haven't seen this, yeah, in case you haven't seen this, was it two weekends ago now? Uh, 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 no, it was, it was, wait, was it? Yeah, it was yeah, two yeah, weekends ago. Because they play the Chiefs. So yep. it was two, two Sundays ago. Uh, someone caught a glimpse of Guy Fieri on the Patriots sideline and in the same shot as uh, Tom Brady and Ryan quote tweeted that with probably the best caption you could do. Here's a guy who has orchestrated the best drives in American history and also Tom Brady. <laughs> and he did numbers on that tweet. My boy did numbers on that tweet. It was a pretty good tweet. I'm like really satisfied with it at the same time. So that was, it was a Thursday night football game because the Patriots were playing the Colts. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, I remember, I remember tweeting it and then two minutes later coming back to my phone and it had like 50 retweets and like over like a hundred likes. And I was like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> and then by the morning I was Twitter famous. So the warm up for the warm up for the day for both my 10th graders and 11th graders were letting them know that you can too achieve your dreams of becoming <laughs> famous just by sending off fire tweets. And I like screen, <laughs> I screenshotted the tweet and put it on the overhead and I was so upset at how few of them understood the joke. <laughs> none of them watched the food shit, the food network. I imagine like, almost none of them knew who Guy Fieri was when I'm just like, that guy's just like a walking meme. I feel like he's so like embedded in meme culture. Like, how do you not know who Guy Fieri is? Not next field trip, Ryan, you got to take him to flavor town. <laughs> Wait, how do they let you teach a, a group of your own peers? Very no. carefully, very carefully. <laughs> Bam! Oh, I still got it. This is this is why I like Twitter, even though it's a cesspool and the whole platform is full of Nazis. Like you can still have fun stories about getting Twitter famous, like Ryan did. I'm so proud of you, Chris. <laughs> For what? You you nailed that very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Caden asking us, what do you think of the Golden Tate trade rumors? And if they do trade him, where would he go? And what would you want in return for the Yak King? I don't think there's any trade rumors. I think that's just people read the Kyle Yost column and uh, (laughs) I'd make rumors out of them. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's be clear. There's no rumors that the Lions are shopping them or shopping him or that other teams are interested in him. It's just the trade deadline's coming up and people are looking at tradable assets. Golden Tate's on the last year of Deal. The Lions have Kenny Galladay breaking out. Some people put one and two together. Hey, maybe Golden Tate should be traded. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there are any teams. I mean, there, there are probably teams that are interested, but there's been no sign other than the fact that the Lions didn't re-sign him this offseason that the Lions are interested in moving Golden Tate, and I don't think they will. I mean, I think they're going to stay put just because, as we've been talking about, the NFC North is semi-open right now. The Lions aren't out of this thing six game, uh, six weeks in. Right, exactly. Like they yeah. may be two and three, but again, there's not much separation right now between these four teams in the NFC North. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that. Um, Ryan, I think I think I've gotten your opinion on Kyle Yost's column before. What do you what do you say on this? I don't know. Gold Tate's gone. <laughs> He's as good Fair as enough. gone. I he deserves everything that any team wants to pay for him based on his prior performances. And I don't think golden Tate's going to fall off a cliff. He's super talented. So do the lines cash in and get a second or third round for him? I, I don't think golden Tate fetches anything like that, especially when I'm thinking that Patrick Peterson, like would fetch like a second round draft pick. 
All right, next question here. Aaron Thompson asking us, who is worse on a weekly basis, Blake Bortles or Eli Manning? Man, at this point in their career? Wow, this is a tough one, actually. That's a tough one because the Jaguars have a better team around Blake Bortles so they can hide his deficiencies on a week-to-week basis, whereas the Giants are just a tire fire with no hope. I don't know, man. Like you would think they'd be able to hide Eli with what they have in Saquon Barkley, but that's not enough. Whereas, like, yeah, I mean, you can try to hide Bortles, but Fournette is not Barkley at all. Leonard Fournette is kind of going out as a very disappointing draft pick in my book. So I think my my answer, man, because they they are on the offensive line and. And we're seeing the whole paradigm shifting, too. It's no longer you have one good running back, and that's good enough right. to carry you for the rest of time. It's now you have to have a committee. Um, I think, though, week to week, worse, like, man. You know, I'm just going to say, right now, at this point in everyone's career, Eli Manning is the worst starting quarterback in the league. Yeah, no, I I, I think I'm with you there. I think, I think the answer is Eli. The answer is Eli, and it's just going to be a travesty that he's going to be put in the Hall of Fame one day. Because he's, this is absolutely because of his last name, right? Like, if I put someone else's last name, if he was no, Eli Smith, he would he would have been cut three seasons ago. But because no. he's a Manning, he gets it's to be, carry on. It's because of two games. It's because of two Super Bowl games. That's literally it. Okay, but Trent, when, when the axe came for Trent Dilfer, they didn't pause and look at the rings on his finger. Did he have more than one? I mean, he had one at least. Was he the MVP of that game, though? I, I don't know. Like the ax came around for Nick Foles. He won. He won a Super Bowl for them. I'm just saying it. Nick it's Foles all because that be Manning. In, Nick Foles is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I want to end this podcast right now, but I want some more questions here. Ryan, I haven't gotten your answer yet. What? You said you weren't going to do this. This is Spotify. I know, but I got so distracted with what was going on with your guys' discussion about quarterbacks. And you said Eli Manning, and my brain just went dumb. You just <laughs> went straight as Manning face? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Since we're losing Ryan, we'll get one last question in here, and we'll be done. Troy Kilgore asking us, what are some of the weirdest slash most horrible things you've ever witnessed at Ford Field or other sports venues? And oh, the answer he gives, he gives the answer. His his memory is of the Tiger Stadium piss troughs. But I want to hear what you guys have. Deadspin has a pretty good video of, of the grossest thing that I haven't seen personally, but of something that oh that happened in the Ford Field parking lot. Yeah. Yep. 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 I remember that. Ryan, what's your answer? You sounded like you had a memory in mind. Well. Speaking of piss troughs, um, last season when I was covering Lions games for Pride of Detroit, uh, I remember going to the parking garage. Uh, does the parking garage count as an extension of Ford Field? Or yep, no? yep, yep. Any area within the, the, the region of Ford Field used for tailgating, parking, whatever. Well, Pardon there was me. there was a woman who wasn't even trying to hide going to the bathroom. She just did it like in the middle of in the middle of the parking ramp. What is it about football that turns people into their bases self? I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm. I'm assuming alcohol. <laughs> right, but like, I mean, outside of Yankee Stadium, I don't. Or like, 
Fenway Park, I don't hear these things about baseball games usually. And people well, get pretty torn up at baseball games. Well, so, I mean, I guess this is pretty topical after what happened last night on Sunday Night Football when that just complete canoe Patriots fan threw the beer in Tyree Kill's face and Tyree Kill's going to lawyer up and sue that guy's ass off. As he should. Absolutely he should. Like, come on. Like, how far we've been from Malice in the Palace? People don't realize respect the people out there. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, what what a complete knob. What an idiot. Didn't something, speaking of like idiot North Atlantic people, wasn't there like a Yankees game where people like, yeah, it was, it was one of the Yankees, uh, was the wild card game, but it, or it might've been a regular season where the, some Oakland A's fans came into basically hostile territory and they just threw a ton of shit at them. Oh yeah. I remember hearing something about that, about throwing beers at him or something like that. Yeah. Just, just don't be a shitty sports fan guys. It's not that hard. Don't take shit. Well, personally. I mean, clearly it's it's apparently a pretty hard. Apparently it is. It shouldn't be. I'm not going to share my story for the worst thing I've seen. Let's just all get along. Yeah. Unless you're a Bears sh- fan. <laughs> Unless you're a Bears fan. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.